You're listening to the Build Shaves Podcast, presented by Midco Sports Network. Spring is here. April is here. And that means spring sports season has all but arrived on Midco SN. This spring, we're proud to bring you coverage of UND football, softball, and track and field, plus the latest news and interviews with the out-of-season teams that you care about. So stay tuned in the months ahead to Midco Sports Network. This is how we do sports. And this is the Build Shaves Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Bill Shaves Podcast, episode 32, taping this on a Monday, April Fool's Day, April the 1st. Great to have you with us alongside our producer, David Folsky, Athletics Director, Bill Shaves. I'm Alex Seinert. It's always fun to turn that calendar page and get a little closer to summer. Weather gets a little bit better. April's always a fun month because you get the wrap-up of some of those winter championships take place and you really get into spring sports season in full birds were chirping this morning when right. I went out I mean really they were in full uh, they were in full chirp mode this morning so uh, that was uh, that was uh, great to hear and yeah you're right it kind of feels like when you do go to April it just feels different doesn't it you're out of winter and uh, yeah baseball started and yeah. so uh, major leagues you know obviously got things going last week so uh, yep we're full bore into uh, looking ahead to the summer yeah, it's fun when you start seeing the Masters previews during yeah. March Madness and, and yeah. when you can officially, yeah, it's it's April Madness now. Like you turn that page and there is a different feel. The days of, you know, negative 15 degrees and, you know, shoveling outside, like all the snow is melting off. Yeah, spring is it's officially, in the mirror. it really is. And that feels good. That definitely, definitely feels good. Um, a, uh, you know, as we transition into kind of this new time of year, we talked about wrapping up winter sports championships. Your UND staff was, was busy in Fargo this past weekend with the West Regionals for the NCAA hockey tournament. By all accounts, a very successful couple of days down at the Shield Center. Yeah, certainly uh, we had Eric Martinson on and uh, Kyle Doporalski the last couple of weeks, and they served as the tournament manager and uh, assistant tournament manager, uh, respectively. And we just had a lot of folks down in Fargo, uh, you know, just doing a whale of a job and I happen to have uh, you know a few folks that um, you know were texting me one one individual from AIC specifically and 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 he just said you know our staff did a phenomenal job and Mm -hmm. uh, and the arena did a great job as well probably the only tricky part to some degree is um, you know knowing kind of the NCAA and, and and honestly I don't blame us the NCAA wanting to put the logos in the ice but that just uh it it it, it makes for uh how should I say difficult because you're in a sense really kind of messing with the ice yeah. before you want to play the games mm-hmm. and that's no arenas uh issues per se it's just that's just the way it goes and but i do like the branding aspect of it for sure i think it Mm -hmm. looks sharp on 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 television now you can say maybe it's not great for the teams per se but it is the same for both teams right yeah that's that was the one thing that kind of popped up there were some you know, people checking the temperature of the ice, uh, you know, people that said the ice maybe wasn't quite the, the best as it could have been. But like you said, what what do you do in some of those circumstances when the NCAA mitigates that this is what the ice surface needs to look like and you have to change those types of things? I don't know. It's, yeah, it's a tough, it's a tough deal. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I think you, you go play. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's it. Yeah. You're thankful that you're there and whether you're on a pond or whatever, you just go play. The, uh, the St. Cloud State faithful, that there had been some pushback about like how, well, we could have played better if the ice surface would have, or whatever. But like you said, both teams are playing on the same surface. Um, it, they provided a couple of 
Really, all three games that we saw were exciting and close. All low scoring, which makes it interesting. Great goaltending. Denver, of course, ended up coming through with, with back-to-back shutouts from Philip Larson to make it to the Frozen Four now. They and UMD become the ninth and 10th NCHC teams, respectively, in the first six years of their conference to make the Frozen Four. Another example of just how good that collection of eight teams has been over the course of the existence yeah, of the program. Yeah, it's been, it's been terrific. And, uh, you know, this year just happens to be kind of a NCHC Hockey East sort of challenge, if you will. Mm-hmm. Last year there were, what, three Big Ten schools in Duluth. And so, you know, each year has its own year, how it, however it goes. But the one thing that is fair, I think, throughout um, the tournament is just – you know, just the low-scoring nature of it, really. I mean, there's, yeah. you know, sands a couple games that, that got to a place where maybe six goals here yeah. and there. The East region was kind of the only one that saw offense. Everything else was yeah. three goals or less. It was all pretty cagey across the board. Yeah, I mean, uh, you, you kind of hear that, and I think I uh, have heard Tim Hennessy say it as well. You have kind of first one to three. Yeah. You know, that's what it feels <laughs> yeah. like. And it's just, uh, it's interesting to say the least. And uh, you see you see some great goaltending. And uh, yeah, I mean, so, you know, go there. And it's kind of interesting where uh, both uh, both um, teams will play a hockey school and mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's a redux of the 2015 Frozen Four where UND was in and played BU on the one side. Two NCHC teams, two Hockey East teams. That particular year, Hockey East won both of those semifinals. So mm-hmm. NCHC trying to maybe get a little, a little revenge from a couple of years back. Uh, obviously, an opportunity still for an all-NCHC championship game as yep. you've got Duluth and Denver on opposite sides of the bracket. It would be just another case of that happening. We've seen that happen a couple times now. These two, of course, met in the title game a couple of years ago. Denver got the victory that time. Um, not to go too far into the weeds on this, but Duluth, again, three straight trips now to the Frozen Four. It's Denver's third in their last four years. It's really impressive to see what those programs have been able to do. In the midst of such a competitive conference, you can see how that iron sharpens iron, really, coming to the fore here at this Yeah, once, once you get done and you can find a way to get yourself to a regional, boy, you feel pretty good when you get there. And, uh, and obviously, uh, two of the three schools uh, making it to the uh, Frozen Four is, is phenomenal. And I really do feel for St. Cloud. I mean, they've had a great run uh, in the regular season and uh, just have had – they've kind of been snake bitten a bit, uh, you know, in these uh, in these tournaments. And, uh, you know, even – you know, hockey, you think about it, right? I mean, if you go to basketball, you start with 68 teams and then you make it to the Sweet 16. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, but here in hockey, you're starting with the Sweet 16. <laughs> and so, yeah. so really when you do lose that first-round game, yes, it's a first-round game, but – it's a team that's played pretty well and is probably coming off a championship themselves. Right. So they're coming in feeling pretty good about themselves. And, uh, and you know, you got to go, you got to go beat them. And uh, it's just funny how many times now it feels like it, when you don't score that first goal and, you know, especially if you're the underdog and you do score the first goal and the second, um, it, it, you feel like you have a shot. The exception would be Providence this weekend that, that gave well, they themselves gave a three. three. They gave themselves a three nothing hole and then rolled and then scored six in a row, scored a touchdown Actually, and ended up yeah. ten in a row really. That's right. That's right. If you want to include, that's right. They had beat uh, Cornell four nothing in that championship game in the East Region. Yeah, they spotted three nothing, ten straight. <laughs> wow. Home ice, home ice makes. I know we talked yeah. about this last week, yeah. but. Maybe not if you were filling out a bracket. You had to look and see, even though Providence was the, the, the four seed in that region, playing at home, it was not a huge sock that they're going to be playing in Buffalo in the Frozen Four because of that. Yeah, you know, I, 
we've seen enough teams win on other people's ice for sure. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, if that were the case, you know, when Mankato went up three, nothing, I, I, I'm wondering if you felt that way at that stage of the game, but then they came back and they played pretty dang good. Yeah. Not too shabby over at the Dunkin' Donuts center out in Rhode Island. Well, so should be a couple of fun games coming up from Buffalo, Providence, Duluth, Denver taking on a UMass team that just like Denver, by the way, back-to-back shutouts to cruise through the Northeast Regional uh, in Manchester to make their way to the semifinals. The game's April 11th and April 13th in Buffalo, another national championship uh, set yeah, to UMass, be won potentially by a school from UMass has had a great year. They they just had that kind of one little dip, I think, they, they kind of had, but but they've been pretty consistent all year long. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that it, this is a flip of the coin going to Buffalo. You just never know how it's all going to work itself out. But much like, I think, the Final Four on the men's side uh, in basketball, you know, that's going to be mm-hmm. kind of a flip of the coin. Yeah, so. I, w- I would agree with you. That's a great that's a great segue because March Madness now is back. We're final four now for both hockey and for men's and women's basketball. Women's almost there. We'll yep. decide the other tonight. half of the bracket tonight. Mm-hmm. But on the men's side, you know, entering a lot of people said the first three rounds really the first the, the first four and then you know second round et cetera third round were maybe a little bit lacking in drama. There really wasn't quite right. the great games that you look back. It really was. All the top seats pretty much mm-hmm. moved their way on. That changed a bit with the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight. Some yeah. real classic finishes, a bunch of overtime games. Those were the type of games that you live for in terms of March Madness. We got some great ones this past weekend. We did. And, you know, the way that all played itself out, it just, uh, you know, I, I'm going to mini next week. Right? Yeah. We've got some, some donors there that we're going to visit and, and go to the games. Obviously, because of the proximity, for sure, it made, made a whole lot of sense. But going into the weekend, I, I had really no dog in the fight, to say, so to speak. But you kind of figured, you know, probably be kind of cool to see Duke play Kentucky, right? Yeah. The all-time programs, if you will, on one side of the bracket. And then having spent, you know, 11 years in Spokane, I was uh, rooting for Gonzaga to be there. And then Virginia. I just like the way Tony Bennett rolls. I, I loved the way he uh, handled his press conference last year after the UMBC game. And, you know, he just, uh, you know, he just epitomized his class. You know, he crossed over a little bit when he was at Washington State while I was there. And so, so at the end of the day, um, you know, that's what I was hoping for. But one out of four, I guess. <laughs> Isn't bad. <laughs> <laughs> it was unique that all the defensive teams got yeah. got the win. You had um, Gonzaga, obviously, was the best offensive team in the country this year, playing one of the better defensive teams in Texas Tech. Tech, by the way, who just completely locked down Michigan in the Sweet 16. Yep. And then did the same thing to a Gonzaga team that just, yep. I, just I was just so surprised they could never quite get anything Going. sustained in yep. that game. They're just, they had little flurries, but, you know, it, that was really a perfect team, I thought, for March. Three point shooters versatile big men a lot of depth and you know a lot of credit to chris beard and and texas to be able to pull that off they, it, play, they played great and they made some big shots too yeah. when they had to and so you know give give credit to all those teams they yeah. they found a way and uh, auburn was down early yep. uh, i think they were down, down double, by double digits, digits right? they were yep uh and in duke duke at one point i looked over and i think they were up like 30 to 23 and boy mm-hmm. michigan state went on a run to, to close the half and then then they've been kind of on a high wire anyways yeah right <laughs> all these games with duke that's right they were the um it's so funny to see how you can be on the right side of like these last moment, you know, Central Florida probably should have, should have had them in the round of 32. Mm-hmm. You know, they were a tip in away from yep. losing in the round of 16. And then finally in the Elite Eight, just it just, you know, eventually you were going to maybe come on the wrong side of that. And it just, when you play all those close games, 
the odds eventually are going to even out that you're going to probably drop one. And this was, this was their weekend. Yeah. You know, so and it just, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, Zion was great. Uh, certainly, uh, he was fantastic. And, uh, I don't know how, you know, I, I think the, the one, uh, one of their three big freshmen well, Cam, was out. Cam Reddish. Yeah. He was, had, yep. yeah, he was out the, 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 the game before. So, yeah. uh, yeah, I, I just, uh, they're close and, you know, uh, you give credit to, to where some of these teams, uh, you know, have built from and kind of neat that there's four different conferences represented. Yeah. So that'll be interesting. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Texas Tech, Michigan State, and then Auburn against Virginia coming up uh, this weekend in Minneapolis. Yeah. Should be, and you'll be there, obviously, in person to witness it all. So it should be a... Uh, should be an exciting couple games of basketball, even if it's not quite maybe the CBS ratings bonanza they were hoping for. Still some pretty good matchups and some good programs moving yeah, through. I mean, teams make it there. I mean, you know, give them credit. I mean, they 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 got they went through the they went through the uh, the tournament. Yeah. They played the game that was in front of them. And what was what was um, uh, Auburn's? Uh, they they've beaten Kansas, Kansas. North Carolina, yep. and then Kentucky. So there you go. You've earned it. I think you've earned it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking of earning it, on the women's side, and we don't have the official Final Four just When you listen to this, you'll know if it'll either mm-hmm. be Baylor and Iowa or Notre Dame and Stanford. Those, those one-two matchups will finish up tonight. But we had a little history made. Some of the schools had never reached the round of yeah. 16, never had gotten that far. We'd seen some win first-round games. South Dakota State last weekend able to make a little bit of history in winning their first game over Quinnipiac, then beating Syracuse on Syracuse's home floor at the Carrier Dome to make it to the round of 16. And then put up, obviously, I had to go out to Portland and play Oregon, mm-hmm. who's now made their way to the, the, the Final Four after beating Mississippi State the following night. A, a tough matchup, and they just couldn't hit anything. But they still kept the game close and made it competitive and had themselves and had a chance in the end. If they if a few more shots could have hit, could have been a different story. But a great great run for the Summit League to get that far. In the yeah, that was uh, really impressive. And you know, um, you know, it, it's a feather in the cap uh, to obviously South Dakota State, but but for certainly the the Summit League as well and the quality of basketball that's played uh, on the ladies side. So that was uh, that was a lot of fun to watch. And yet tough just play Syracuse on their home floor and then have to basically go play uh, uh, Oregon on their home floor. But, yeah. you know, that's just kind of the, the process. And I, I'd say this is, you know, having been at Baylor at one point as kind of going through this type of stuff um, in the women's basketball's kind of tried a lot of different things at times. And I think at the end, I think the, the, um, the players would rather have this, the, the fans in the stands. Yeah. I, I mean, and so, um, and, and they played good. They played really good. But in, in Oregon showed yesterday, obviously, they're, they're a pretty good team. And Kelly Graves done a nice job there. You know, he worked at, uh, play, prior to, uh, to uh, Oregon, he was at Gonzaga and kind of lifted mm-hmm. them to a certain levels. And so, uh, uh, and he's been there, I think, there five years, and he's done a really nice job. I think watching these women's games, if you've not been paying attention as much to the women's tournament, and it does sometimes get lost a little bit, a little bit. In, in the men's March Madness shuffle, but the quality of play and the, and the quality of games on the women's side has been unbelievable this year. And if you watch some of the players, obviously Sabrina Ionescu for Oregon is, is an incredible player, but the girls she's got around her, you know, girls that are 6'4", that can shoot threes. And, and, it's, and that's the kind of the case across the board when you look at these teams. Megan Gustafson in Iowa. Baylor's got so many WNBA kids. Yep. Um, Notre Dame. Like all these, these teams are really fun to watch. It is an unbelievable level of basketball right now. And you, if, you, if you're a sports fan and you've not plugged into this, you're kind of doing yourself a disservice. It was been really fun to watch this women's tournament this year. Yeah, you know the uh, and and that's a, in a sense a down UConn year. That's right, right? exactly. Yep. So down that they've made it twelve <laughs> times in a row. Exactly. So, um, 
But I think, you know, when we uh, see these teams go to the final four, it's going to be a flip of the coin too. Yes, it is. You mentioned UConn, by the way, and you said it's a down year. They were obviously a, a two seed this year. I mean, you know. Yeah. Mm. But um, the the narrative for a long time was, well, UConn is going to go undefeated. Nobody can touch this team. Is that bad for women's basketball, et cetera? That was kind of the storyline for a long time. Now that they have maybe, I mean, taken a minuscule step back to being mortal, to being kind of a, a, a great team, not an all-time team, mm-hmm. and you've seen all the rest of these teams kind of catch up with, with equally great teams, I mean, it kind of sort of proves the point that maybe having one team that is so transcendent that you know is going to win by 30, maybe that isn't the best thing. Maybe it is kind of nice that we have all these teams who are great that can beat anybody on any given night. Yeah, I, you know, I think anytime you see an all-time historical team people are excited about that because it's just you know you're witnessing history yep for sure and so that that's you know that side of it but the other side of it is you know the last couple of years certainly in the uh women's final four it's been tremendous i mean uh just you know down to the wire literally right yeah last second shot for notre dame last year twice Mm -hmm. and so uh yeah i you know it 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 seems like the quality of, of uh uh teams have expanded maybe a little bit more. It felt like only maybe a, a handful of teams could win it. Mm-hmm. Now maybe we've we've gotten to maybe probably still less than ten, yeah. but but probably greater than six. I agree. I was going to say I think it's still in that six to eight now range where you really could have. It used to not be. Yeah, it absolutely used to be about one, one or two when Tennessee. You know, well, yeah. Tennessee or UConn. One of those two is going to mm-hmm. win it. Not the case anymore. No, even at UConn's big run, I think Notre Dame, you know, clipped them a couple of times. Yep. And so, um, but, but, but it really was one, two or three, maybe max. Now we've kind of doubled that a little bit. Yep. And, and, and I think the depth that here, here's the other side. The, there was a number of upsets in the first round. There's actually That's more right. upsets in the ladies' tournament mm-hmm. than the men's tournament, mm-hmm. as far as if you want to say from a seating standpoint. So that's, that's really good for the depth of the women's uh, game. Yeah, it's, it's, again, a sport that, I think people just need to maybe put aside some of your past bias about like either just just based on you know it's not fun when you know who's going to win right. and, and it's not the case anymore and this is really fun exciting basketball so think about tuning into that again it's, yeah you're listening to this the final four will be coming up Correct. this week in Tampa so check that out uh, and I believe those games are on Saturday and on Monday where the men's final four I think are on or I'm, I'm no I'm sorry flip move move flip that flip, flip that around yep Saturday <laughs> Monday for the men yep. Friday, Sunday for the women. Yeah. So, Tampa Bay. That's a place where we have a lot of good memories. So, think about, think about tuning in. That's relive, right. Relive some joy if you're a UND fan from Tampa. Um, switching gears from, from the hardwood and the ice to the turf. Uh, UND had a couple of standouts on the football field participating down in Fargo at Pro Day. And a lot of the NDSU players were, were in action as well. A chance for, I think there were 20-plus NFL teams in attendance uh, down in their indoor facility. Uh, great opportunity for some of our guys to get themselves. Who, who And a lot of these guys have gone through, of course, like the senior bowl weekend type things. But a great chance to show off who didn't get invited to the Combine. Hey, this, this is what I'm about. This, this is the type of athlete I am. And some of these guys, especially Brady Oliveira, who threw up 29 reps on the bench press, which would have been second amongst all running backs at the Combine. Guys showed out pretty well this weekend. Yeah, you know, and even if I, – I think you just want to make sure you go – put up your numbers and you've kind of checked that box. I, I was fortunate. Uh, I, I ran into John Santiago um, mm-hmm. last, I think they did, made, did it on Tuesday. Uh, Thursday, I think. Thursday. Okay. Yeah. It was Wednesday. Thursday morning, yeah. So, um, you know, in, but even I was saying to him, look, I, I, this is just another step in the journey. Yeah. I, I mean, that it doesn't shut a door. It doesn't necessarily open 
of the floodgates either. So, um, but I think you need to go and they need to see you. And I think you need to have, uh, you know, put those numbers up. And so, uh, yeah, the, now, now from here, you see what happens. And, you know, if, uh, if they have opportunities at the next level, we'll, we'll see. Um, and uh, I'm sure they'll have at least a chance to get into a camp or two yeah. and then and see what transpires. NFL draft now is this month, end of the month in Nashville, April 25th through the 27th. You know, each of these guys, when you look at, yeah, John Santiago and Brady Oliveira, Deion Harris, Austin Cislak, Tank Harris were the guys from UND that were down yeah. there at that pro day. They have all, I would say, an outside shot. You know, they're probably on the outside looking in to maybe hear their name called at Nashville. But that doesn't mean, like you said, they won't get invited to an NFL camp. Brady's likely going to be a high CFL draft pick right? Uh, thanks to his, his Canadian roots and his outstanding career here at UND. There's a, it's a, like you said, it's a long journey, and this is just a little bit of a step to get get your name out there, make those relationships, oh, solidify those things a little bit for a scout, be able to have a chance to chat with somebody, yeah. kind of showcase your personality, showcase the type of work ethic you've got. Good step in the right direction. For yeah, no one. doubt. I, and I think they'll be, uh, uh, you know, as long as they have an opportunity to play. I mean, go, go play. Yeah. I mean, th- this is your, this is the, you know, you're going to be in the best shape of your life right now. Go give yourself a chance. And, and eventually it's all, you know, some, it, it ends for all of us at some stage of the game. And then you're going to have to figure out what you're going to do after that. But at least while you're in this window right now, go for it. Yeah. I should say it hasn't ended for the three of us in this room right now, by the way. I think our window of our peak athletic prowess is still, it's still open. Well, I think we're still in that window. Love I, it. Wow. Love it. Dave and I are just chuckling right now. I mean, we're, we're very realistic, and we have someone on the pod that's really not realistic at this point. <laughs> oh, you can always get it back, right? I mean, you know, oh, you sure. just, yes. just, just got to yes. take a little more just time. Stay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason Witten. Yeah, go, hey, I mean, he can go into the booth for a year and come back. and That's right. He's going to be, you know, I come on. You can always come back. That's right. I'm sure Gronk will come back November. Fingers crossed. Yeah, that's that's the <laughs> that's the rumor. Right. We just have to get. You know, he's got to make it through spring break now, and he's got a chance. You know, this summer to kind of relax and miss it a little bit. Gosh, yep. I hope so. That'd be fantastic. I'm sure it would. Be. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna close the door just yet on that one. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. So many fans are excited about that. You and these softball, by the way. Speaking of excitements. Wow. First Summit League Series victory this weekend. They took on Omaha to open up Summit League play. Uh, they won the first game of a doubleheader on Saturday, mm-hmm. lost the second, and then on Sunday just played a, a wild game against the Mavericks. 432 pitches total in a 13-inning contest. They get an 18-12 to 12 win over the Mavericks. <laughs> Score six times in the 13th. Crazy. So basically played two games. Yes. So played really a double, a double, letter, double letter. Yep. Yes, isn't that crazy? What, what did we end up with as well? Thirty overall runs and forty hits. Correct. Yes, big numbers. Big numbers <laughs> big in that numbers. contest. Wow. Uh, so good, good though. Good though for them. You win, yeah, win two or three against that team. Right in the middle of the pack. Yep. Yep. So that's for their first season in the league. It's going to be a lot of just feeling things out against new teams they've not seen before. But seventeen and twenty-three now overall. Um, after again a tough, tough swing down in New Mexico, played some really good teams, didn't pick up any wins down there. But yep. great to get started now with conference on, on a good note. Um, they'll travel to Purdue Fort Wayne coming up this weekend before starting the home portion of the season next week, April thirteenth and fourteenth against South Dakota. Uh, it's it's fun that they're getting getting into that stretch run now, playing yeah. some conference teams, some like-minded opponents. And I'd say stay tuned on you know what will happen with our 
particular home games. You know, now having said that, knock on wood, sun's been out. I yeah. mean, and I, are, are, can we even say it might even be heading to the fifties? I mean, did I did I hear I that? I mean, it's it's been projected in the forecast. Well, so. and if that's the we're case, we're just repeating information. That's we're right. Not, I'm we're not, not, yeah, yes, we're not, we're not forecasting here. We're just. But at the end of the day, you never know that that's right. at that point. So Possible. so uh, you know, yes, we're on the road one more weekend here, and then see what happens from there. Yeah. Some good news, by the way, on the track and field side of things as well. Uh, the men and women were in Des Moines and down in Texas, respectively. Split squad. Little split, love a little split squad action. Uh, some really good relay performances. Three different squads making their way into the top 10 all-time. Uh, the men's 4x1, second all-time now after a great performance this weekend. Women's 4x1 and 4x4 into the top 10 all-time in UND history. So cool to see early in the outdoor season some really good marks being put up. It's awesome. It's awesome. I know uh, those those. Uh, those kids work hard and uh, you know to see the their performance and the results is, is great to see I would say this if you're from an outside perspective seeing those times click this early has got to be a big boost and a big indicator of how important the HPC has been no question I mean the the uh, the amount of records that have fallen since that uh, facility has been erected is is tremendous and uh, yeah there's there's no question about it I mean you're, you're a track guy Alex I mean it, it's a it's a it's a gorgeous track and yes. uh, it's as good as there are really in the world and so uh, uh, just uh, for our students uh, to be on that all the time is, is huge one cool thing by the way on Friday UND hosted the EDC indoor yep. championships as Bill, as Bill smiles it was fun to get all of those high school kids into that facility obviously on a number of levels a chance to get them exposed a little more to hey look at this great place you can yeah. come and run it if you want to but it was neat just to see fans in the stands yep. in those you know awesome new chair back seating and it's great it, it was really fun to be over there covering that meet this week well you know it, it when I had popped onto the scene, I, you know, there was some of the uh, conversation that had been, you know, at some stage when it was being built that the thought that there would be some sort of community aspect to it. And I think it was, it, I'll say this, slow to take a little bit for one really good reason is that you almost had to get around a couple calendar years to figure out where are the windows that make sense and you know until you really have had it you really didn't know and so now you know again another thing that eric martinson does because he does operations right <laughs> so there's that um but the, it's my new uh, favorite long-running joke on well, this well yes i mean uh, so as part of his operational duties he uh he also manages overseas uh outside groups that that particular mm -hmm. that may use some of our facilities now again there's a rental piece to it and all that but but yeah, to see the high schoolers here was awesome. I mean that, you know, and again, like many of us, you know, those are potentially future students for us at UND. So to get them on campus is huge. Yeah, that was really cool. I know that we're hosting another class B indoor meet coming up this weekend as well. So more opportunities to get kids kind of from all across the spectrum here on campus competing in North Dakota facilities. It's, it's good stuff. By the way, the, uh, collegians who are here competing for UND, they'll be down in Vermilion coming up this Saturday, April the 6th, a yes. new outdoor facility down there that uh, is hosting their first outdoor high school meet today um, on April the 1st, so a chance for them to get that broken in. Uh, and so, yeah, it's fun to see our, our kids competing against some of the schools coming up this weekend. Yeah, kind of like the way uh, Tottenham had to do it with a couple of their, uh, <laughs> you know, they had to have, uh, they had to break in their new stadium. So with an old, right. old timers thing, I forget what we call the it. Kids, in yeah, the kids, uh, yeah, the testimonial, uh, uh, testimonial challenge match yes, or whatever, yes. and then the kids. Testimonial yep, challenge match. Yep. Yes. So, so uh, I'm sure that I'm sure Lucky Huber and company. And Mourinho down. was there. Yeah, well, you know, it's a big deal. You yeah, know, you bring, it's inter. Yep. 
Yes, it was great. <laughs> there you go. Uh, that probably is a good segue to flip to the B set. Anything else, by the way, on your agenda? Anything else we should be talking about from a you know, UND perspective? The only thing I, I would say is interesting. Um, the Senate uh, in Bismarck, uh, they, they shot down the wagering bill. Oh, and sure. so that was interesting. It had passed in the House. And then it went to the Senate, and uh, it lost pretty pretty handily. And that we were tracking on that a little mm-hmm. bit. And, and again, I, I, we can go probably deep into you know um, wagering and all that stuff. But I, I thought that you know that was great for for us here. I mean, I think there's still ways to wager if you want to wager. Mm-hmm. I do believe that. I think we're at that point, and you know, it probably would become even more, even more readily available as technology continues to, to do what it does, and states continue to do what they do. But you know, I think there's other opportunities, and for us here, especially in a state that doesn't have professional sports, um, it was I thought important. I thought that was important vote for us. Yeah. So, so there you go. Yeah. Can you talk just really quick, if you want to, about? Um, just to spell out why it was important. I mean, you, you kind of mentioned a little bit, but why, why is it a, a yeah, important I mean, thing that that's not that it is not legal to be betting on? Yeah, I mean, I think events, you know, I think I, I socially, I, I don't, you know, whatever someone wants to do, they can do. I, I you know, that's up to to them, especially obviously if it's legal, right? And yeah. so, but but if you legalize it, and in a state where you do not have any of the four major sports uh, at, at this point. I think what would ended up happening was the two major sports was going to be either NDSU or UND. Mm-hmm. And so, so there was going to probably be a lot of wagering on those two particular, uh, uh, you know, teams, if you will, uh, various teams. And then I think what ends up happening is it provides uh, a very difficult um, piece of the puzzle where we have to make sure that we're continually educating our student athletes as to what may or may not happen if you ever were to engage in someone that was concerned about your results. Mm-hmm. And, and then the other piece of the puzzle is information flow is in, it, it, information's power right and especially when it comes to knowing a stock or if you know potentially something about a program and so you know i would worry about folks that may know or think they know something and then all of a sudden you're having to deal with that and not that that is something that we we it, it you'd have a blind eye to right now because i still think that's out there mm-hmm. and we have to be concerned about it but i think if it was easily readily available to wager much like you can in english Premier, i think you can go you can truck yourself up at halftime and probably bet on a number of things yeah. but i think it's 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 much more controlled it's a professional aspect to it the players on the pitch if you will are are earning a certain amount of dollars and they probably would not want to uh put themselves in a position to ever uh forego that as well so there's a lot of moving parts to that and 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 i think in a state again uh without a, a you know i grew up in connecticut and it's very similar where where there's no real pro team at that point in time obviously the whalers were there for a bit but then they moved single but, tier yeah yeah so so same sort of deal and i just think it's a little bit different when you're talking about professional sports yeah no thanks for spelling that out because i think people do sometimes forget because i know there was there was you know a little pushback i think after that voter people were a little upset about you know there, there's always like two sides to that and i think people need to remember that at the end of the day if that were to pass here yeah it is going to be amateur athletes that are going to be sort of fielding more of the action obviously around this state yep. and that that has a whole level of 
that is a lot of different things that maybe are unintended consequences if those things go down. Yeah, and, and you know, I think the the other side is, oh, it happens all the time. It's it's it's, it's we do it all the time. Yeah, we do, but but still, it's a little bit different when it becomes now legalized. Yeah. And and now it's it's it would have been probably the proliferation of increased amount of um, participation, I'm sure would have happened. And and then it would have put a lot of our um, staff, a lot of our, our student athletes, our coaches in a really interesting spot. Yeah. Yeah. So, so all that to be said, I, I, and again, maybe we'll, we'll be here two years from now. Maybe it will pass. Maybe we'll know more about it. May, that, here, last, here's, here's the way I'll put it is let other states go first. Mm. You know, we don't need to be the early adopter. And at the end of the day, let them work out all the kinks. And then if we think that's what's good for the state of North Dakota, then we can kind of revisit it two years from now. Yeah, that's well said. Good stuff there. So things will be kind of be on the, on the horizon maybe in years to come when this probably does come back up here inside the state, inside the legislative branch of yes. government, et cetera. Um, well, from, from that to you talked about Premier League, a game that was probably widely bet upon uh, over Shores. Uh, Liverpool 2, Spurs 1. But it was more complicated than that. It wasn't. It wasn't quite straightforward. Well, I'm not wearing anything Spurs related today because it was a Reds victory in the end. But it was hard won, Bill. Crazy game. Yeah. The uh, what a great environment. Yeah. yeah. That was pretty special yeah. at the beginning. I mean that that fan base. Um, part of me, I, 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 I've said it you know, for weeks now that there's, it's a two, two team race. Mm -hmm. And so if I had to pick one, I, I'd rather have Liverpool win than Man City. Thank you, and Bill. so, well, I'm just saying, <laughs> I did not that much more, but just, <laughs> just a little bit more. Yeah. But I want, I at least wanted the race to keep going. Yeah. And so that fan base, uh, it will be fun just watching the fan base. Mm -hmm. So they, the, uh, and if you guys uh, in pod world don't watch the English premiere on Sunday mornings or, or even Saturday mornings, uh, they did a, uh, they did a kind of a fan uh, they were all over the country, really, right? Yeah, kind they, of a... NBC kind of based their coverage inside Fenway Park in Boston. They had, mm -hmm. us, you know, they, they've been doing this sort of throughout the season. A little bit, right? A little bit. They, they were in New York. I think they were in D.C. They've kind of done these fan um, watch party type things where they set up their studio inside a, either a, a sports bar or like in a facility. And it was Boston was, was the spot. And that's obviously the owners of the Red Sox, John yep. Henry and, and, and the FSG group also own Liverpool. So it was very much a pro Liverpool no gathering. Doubt. Which, which was kind of cool because <laughs> that fan base is just dying to, to, yeah. to what has it been, 30 years? 29, yeah. You yeah. have to go, yep. So, I mean, yeah, basically 30. I mean, 30, 30, this is the 30th season since they've won. It goes back to 1990. Um, and... Obviously, like it pales in comparison to the Red Sox having to wait 86 years for a right. championship. But Liverpool was so incredibly successful in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. So, I mean, the the by far the most successful English team over the course of that time, and then to suddenly not win for three decades, it's there's not really. I mean, there's not really a good comparison where you're so so good, you're the best in the world for mm -hmm. this amount of time. And then you just can never get over the line, and it's uh they the fan base is very very hungry and and also at the same time if you remember from those Red Sox teams, kind of in, especially in the eighties nineties early two thousands, there's such a a sense of dread and kind of fear and you could kind of feel it in the stadium a little bit. So Liverpool scores early, sixteenth minute Roberto Firmino scores off a beautiful cross from Andy Robertson, 
and the collective, you know, joy is there. And it was it was there at the beginning. Like the, the fans expect to win; they're excited to win. But then that gets pushed back so firmly when Spurs came out so strong in the second half. Yeah. And there were a few good chances, and then they finally get one to go, and they get a. a I'm not sure if the ball was rolling a little bit. It was a quick restart off a foul, a long cross in. And the ball finds its way in the back of the but net. But it was quick. It was quick. It was a very quick transition for Spurs. And give them credit. It was a smart play to get the ball going again after a foul. But you could sort of sense around the stadium, even building up to that that fear. Everybody was just a little bit tight. The ground had gotten a little bit quiet. It was just like Fenway. Like when you could sense mm-hmm. bad things were about to happen. That was There was a palpable sense in the stadium that... I don't think we're going to win this game. And and they needed to. And then to ultimately come back and win it in the 90th minute off a of poor, <laughs> poor Toby Alverworld. It wrong spot, and it really shouldn't have got to him. Hugo Lloris just sort of should have caught the ball. Should have caught the ball. Simple, yeah. Just catch the ball. Yeah. Just go, or put away a two-on-one. <laughs> a two-on-one break, half field. No. When I walked into Bill's office this morning, Bill looks at me and goes, Musa Sissoko. That's it. Uh. Sissoko. <laughs> that poor guy. He, yeah. That is not his sweet spot. No. No, he's not a finisher. You know, it just, it would have been like running a play and having a wide open three and you've not made a three all year long. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you had a wide open shot, but there's a reason why you're wide open. Yeah. There's a reason why he was kind of, and he was just dying, dying there. <laughs> I mean, you could see it the whole way. Yeah. He wanted it on his right foot. He wanted, didn't want it on his left foot. He wanted to give it to Son. He did just, He wanted to do anything, anything but shoot. shoot the ball. Yep. And that's great, by the way. Great defending by Virgil van Dyke in that moment. Because it is. It's a 1-1 game. Spurs get a quick great. breakout. Van Dyke positions himself so the pass is not there. It really was just like on hockey. When it's 2-1-1 on, on hockey and the defender, you, t- you slide on the ice. You prevent the pass from happening. You allow the goalie to go one-on-one with the shooter. And that's basically what van Dyke did. And he, yeah. as you said, probably had the scouting report that this guy has no left foot and he's coming down the left side and this is not going to end well. Let's just, let's just let him shoot. And he scaled it 20 feet over the bar and about 10 minutes later, Liverpool have right. I mean, and, if, and again, if you're still listening, thank you. Um, is, uh, <laughs> Thanks, Wes. Is, <laughs> if, if Liverpool didn't have a goalie, it wouldn't have mattered. That's all you need to know. Also true. That's all you need to know. Yeah. You know, the, the goalie could have taking a bathroom break and the same play could have been happening and it wouldn't have mattered. And so um, that was disappointing. And then the end was disappointing, but yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it'll be interesting watching that, that race and not surprising that, you know, it's a race of two for the championship in the premier league. And then there's a race of four teams for two spots. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it feels. So, and that's, we had talked last week a little bit, this game was, in the grand scheme of things, meant a lot more to Liverpool because of the title challenge and et cetera. Obviously, it meant, meant something to Spurs if they would have gotten the point or even taken three points on the road. They really would have solidified themselves in one of those top four places and could kind of just book themselves for the Champions League next year, which obviously includes a lot of money coming in when you make that. It's a lucrative competition. It's also the most prestigious, sure. et cetera. Would have been a big deal for them. But had Liverpool tied or lost this game, the title would have probably been gone, where Spurs, I think, are still very much in great shape. They're still in third place in the Premier League. Chelsea, I guess, they and Chelsea are right now kind of in that battle. But Spurs can certainly still claim a top four spot with this negative result. Liverpool, I think, would have just waved bye-bye to the yeah, opportunity. Yeah, I, I had said trophy. to you, you know, last week there was eight left. I figured they're going to lose at Liverpool and at Man City. And then uh, they got to get points the rest of the way. Yeah. I mean, that that's up to them at that point. So, David, really what ends up happening too, which is kind of something I'll have to look into, is um, there was kind of a little questionable 
don't know, how should I say, penalty on our manager. And so he couldn't even manage the game yesterday. <laughs> so so there's that, too. I'm watching my poor manager up yeah, in the stands. The stands and yeah. so, you know, not that we could have, you know, maybe used him. That would have been good. So I saw that it was interesting. Did you see where he, he, he actually could call down there, though? Yeah, so the, it's a little bit of Isn't a different weird? deal. Yeah, it's... it's when you get a touchline ban in soccer, when you get sent, so this is, okay, if you're, if you're unfamiliar with this, if the referee deems that you as a manager have crossed the line, it, you know, it's, it's like getting a double tech basically in, in basketball or when you get ejected, you know, in baseball, mm -hmm. whatever, you're just done. And you can't, this isn't a Bobby Valentine situation where you can show back up with a mustache in the bench or can relay things. During that particular game, you can't do that. You have no communication. You've been ejected. Where was that trench coat and the mustache? <laughs> I mean, truly. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's a classic, classic. photo, isn't oh, it? Okay. Bobby V. Yep. God bless Bobby V. But anyway. In that particular game, you can't do anything. You're done. You're ejected from the game. In subsequent games, so Mauricio Pochettino had gotten a touchline ban because of a heated exchange that he had had after a Premier League game. A couple. This is against the Burley game, I think, that he's still yeah, paying for. Yeah. A couple weeks ago where he really got in the face of Mike Dean, the referee. In subsequent games, you can at least communicate with your assistant manager. Hmm. From, even though you, you can't be on the touchline, you can't be down amongst the players giving instructions, but you can at least communicate from right. the stands. So he's like up in the stands, you know, sometimes you're up in the press box or whatever. Sometimes you're, sometimes you're just sitting amongst the fans. Like we saw that a couple of years ago when Jose Mourinho got banned. Yep. He's just like hanging out up with the, with, with the rest of the Man United fans. You, you kind of have your pick, but you can at least communicate. There's no rule against you sending down notes or having a little walkie talkie or whatever. Okay. So a little different, little different deal. During the, during the game that you've been kicked out of, no. If you're banned for multiple games, yes, you can kill at least, get your point across. That didn't help us. Not in the end, ultimately. No, I didn't. The, the changes I think that he would have made at halftime did seem to make a difference. They played much better in the second yeah, half. I, I think he's pretty good. He's a pretty, he's a pretty good manager. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. I think he's pretty good. And I think he's, you know, as far as I can tell, I think uh, we're going to stay probably, hopefully, hold on to him. Yeah, I can't imagine. I, all the places that you would think he would go, and we talk, we've talked about this before, mm -hmm. Real Madrid is now occupied by Zinedine Zidane, and now that's going to be a job that will not be available. And Manchester United, they have now hired Solskjaer, Permanently, he'd been the interim manager. Now he's going to be the full-time guy. So that's not an option. And there's really nobody. There's nobody else that. Really not when would... you're moving into a billion-dollar no. facility. No, no, no. I think they're. I think they're going to. He's going to stay. I th other than maybe Erickson, which we talked about last week, I think the team's going to look pretty much that, the same. That's the last thing I got for yeah. you. Is how did you think he played? Because I think he's been just okay this year. Yeah. I mean, he for him. Because I, I there's great expectations with him. He's a really good player. Well, I thought that Graham Lasso hit it on the head when they during the commentary of the match he basically said Erickson just looks off the tired. pace today he just mentally looks tired he's usually so quick on the ball he gets ball to feet quick touch and you're looking up and you're making a read or you're making a pass and he just he had the one opportunity the ball fell to him off a yeah. yeah there was yeah. a a great opportunity for Spurs yes. Kane got a shot off of a mm -hmm. ridiculous angle from a quick play by Danny Rose yes. Allison parried yep. it because it was all he could do right into the path of Erickson obviously in that moment there was nothing Erickson really could have done it was a great block in the end by Andrew Robertson but on a different day maybe he realizes that defender is sliding over you hesitate for a moment you get around the defender and you score it was sort of just like his day in a nutshell it just things weren't just that's just been kind of his days form. though yeah and i just think you know you've mentioned it to me in a world cup year sometimes you're just a little bit yeah. for whatever reason a little bit tired or at least seem more fatigued and that's the way he's played just yeah half a step behind yeah
but he's a good player. Yeah, for sure. Get the money. Get the money and run. So there's really no reason to <laughs> shoot, yeah, go get the money, and then we have to go figure out who we're going to go go fill go the roster. Yeah. That's for sure. Um, so I said to Alex before the pod, um, our next quality start for the Red Sox will be our first. So that'll be good. So uh, perfect. <laughs> we've buried we've buried that as far down the list as we can. They so love Chris Sale that yeah. they followed him up and just wanted to make him feel good. That's right. You Chris, know, it's not Chris, you, Chris. The Mariners are really good. They're really Chris, good. Chris, don't worry about it. We're Let fine. Let me show you. <laughs> Porcello's up 3 nothing yesterday, 2 and a third. And, and, oh, and, and uh, They didn't what? get swept. We got, we had, no, you know, we, Mitch Moreland, nice, nice, nice. Yeah, should've, should've probably got swept. But, but fun but, comeback in game two, but yeah. But at the end of the day, I got a text from buddy. I, Erod, four innings, 100 pitches. Yeah. Uh, that's not going to cut it. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm just going to have to cut ties with him at some point if the guy can't throw strikes yeah you know what do you think i think uh i think it's too early to be worried about all this stuff but but you're right it's worrying signs when you lose three of your first but they scored runs they said score runs the 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 starting pitching was was a mess but you know david price tonight eh, yeah we'll get back on the horse it's this long road swing to start the season in the west coast and you just can't you can't read too much i'll be i'll be concerned if they have another series like the one they just had you know now against oakland and against uh, arizona arizona so it's you know we'll talk next week that's right we'll talk next <laughs> week we'll not pushing the panic button just yet so 157 games to go for bill shaves for david folsky i'm alex Seiner. thanks again so much for listening 